Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the classic film challenge in today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. What is this? What is this? Firstly, uh, recording this just after the end of the Super Bowl. Uh, congrats to the Eagles. Uh, I guess I'm. That's the Philly is the closest hometown of a football team. Uh, as far as where I was born, uh, not no longer, but it is. And I don't really have any feelings about football, but, you know, congrats. Congrats where, where they're due, I suppose. Uh, unfortunately, I would love to be watching the new Cloverfield movie right this second and uh, kind of avoiding Twitter uh, completely because I'm worried about all the reactions and I don't want to either get more excited or, or be spoiled by something, so avoiding that. But cannot. Uh, I am going to wait to watch it uh, tomorrow with my girlfriend when she's off of work in the morning. So that will happen. And uh, due to that, I, I you know, if, if I'd watched it tonight, I would have tried to do my best to have made today's episode actually be uh, the review episode of... Clover, uh, the Cloverfield Paradox, as it is titled, but that will have to come Wednesday. So, today's episode is a new challenge on Letterboxd, uh, in the similar vein to the scavenger hunts, and because the reason I'm doing this and not the February scavenger hunt uh, is twofold. One, it's far more interesting, uh, I think, just for this one instance. Um, I like the I, I just the tasks or quote unquote tasks categories are far more uh, straightforward and simple and the restrictions are good they're, they're a positive thing and uh, I like that you'll, you'll see what I mean in a minute and secondly it's not a monthly challenge it hasn't you know, the parameters are that you just have to be finished by the end of the year. Now, I'm sure I will be finished far sooner than that, but that, just to let you guys know, this is a year-long challenge, so this isn't something I'm going to be going to be particularly in any rush to finish. But I have made sure to include a lot of films that I, I really want to see. Uh, a handful of them I already had uh, access to already and was intending to watch for other reasons. So this is only kind of servicing those agendas on top of it. So that's that's kind of why I ended up doing it this way. So it's actually, um, if you if you look on Letterboxd, it's titled Hooray for Hollywood! Exclamation point Classic Film Challenge 2018. The list is by Christian Alec. He is a pro member of Letterboxd. And uh, he has seen 3,785 films right now, 88 this year, which is a very strong number. And uh, he's a classic films guy, you know. He, uh, he He's a classic films guy. He likes the old stuff. Uh, and uh, that's awesome. I love that. That's so great. So here's, here's his little um, pr prologue, inter, inter, in, um, preview 
Tree thing. Hey everybody, I know it's super late already into the year. Parenthetical, yes, February is late to some folks, end parenthetical. But I thought, what better way to kill some time than another challenge to take place? This was inspired by Letterboxd user Za telling me I should do something like this as I have such a deep love for classic Hollywood. A lot of the challenges before you are things I want to learn more about or continue my love and appreciation for. The rules. One, the good thing here is that this challenge does not to be, need to be limited to every single week of 2018. As long as you finish it by December 31st, 2018, then you've completed the task and you officially, and you are officially a classic Hollywood USA aficionado or something. Two, please tag all reviews uh, with Classics Challenge 18. Three, please make sure all your films are made before 1970. That is the biggest hitch. So multiple times I caught myself picking a film from like the 2000s or the 80s or the 90s. And uh, I had to go back and, and find something different to satisfy. But this is good. I, I'm I'm already like very fr frustrated by just how many films I saw that were released in 2017. It's over 350 already, and I know it's not over because I have to watch at least 10 more for the Oscars. And I'm really ready to be done with that year and move on to different years, or at least move on to 2018. But that being said, I am excited to kind of go back to this to the older days and and watch some some old movies and get that and do that and flesh those years out because so many of those years I've got less than 50 movies seen um, if even 50 movies in some cases you know you in the uh, to look in the 60s there isn't a single year there's only one year in the 60s where I've seen at least 25 movies uh, in the 50s there's only you know about half the years in the 50s I haven't even seen 20 so there's there's a lot of catching up to do in that regard uh, and the fourth rule is have fun so um, I'm the first participant participant listed on the letterbox list that Christian Alec has posted. Um, if you, you want to see my link, if you want to see my list after I've kind of gone through all the movies, I will attach that into the show notes of this episode as well. And uh, that's, yeah, that's about it. So they, what's interesting here is there are 30 categories. The first 25 are broken up into sequences of five. And so you will have a shorts, a short film category, a director category, an actor category, and a movement category, and a behind the scenes category. All the behind the scenes categories are related to um, trying to watch more things that are involved with, uh, that, are, that are directed or, or produced or, or written or whatever um, by a female, which I, I think is great. I like that. And then the 26th through 30th film categories are actually bonus categories, and uh, they're special specialty ones. So those are the only real big distinctions. But here's here's how here's how it breaks down. So film category number one is a short film category. Watch a Walt Disney animated short film. Now I've seen quite a few of these, and because, and you know, you can just kind of look up Walt Disney as a producer and sort by film length. You know, I've seen 62 films uh, produced by Walt Disney out of the 487 he is credited with on Letterboxd, but those include feature length films. So, you know, I'm not sure how big the, how big the difference the breakdown is between short and features in that sense. 
Uh, but this is a, the film I ended up choosing is not only produced by Walt Disney, it also is directed by Walt Disney and stars Walt Disney as the voice of Mickey Mouse. It's from 1928, directed by Walt Disney and Ube Ubi Works. Ube Works. Man, how does co-created Oswald the Lucky Rabbit the works E works oh my goodness his name isn't okay it's it's spelled U B is his first name Ub Ub uh, and his last name is I W E R K S E works U B E works Ub E works anyway uh, and it is called Plain Crazy P L A N E Crazy uh, and it is. Uh, it is a film released prior to Steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie, which was the first sound cartoon for Mickey. Uh, Plain Crazy was actually initially released as a short, or as a, a silent film. It was then later re-released uh, af- a year later as a sound cartoon after the success of Steamboat Willie. I'm going to try to find the silent version and uh, if bar- barring that, I'm I might like mute whatever I watch. Uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's only six minutes long, so you know I'm excited. It has an average rating of three point five on Letterboxd, and I like I like a lot of Disney shorts. I think they're usually really good, especially the really old ones. I think they're fantastic. Number two, directors, watch a film directed by Charlie Chaplin. Uh, I've seen a few of these, um, not as many as I've, I'd, have, I'd have liked. I've seen five. So I've seen City Lights, The Kid, The Great Dictator, The Gold Rush, and Limelight. All I think are very good. And so I picked the most popular one on Letterboxd that I hadn't seen, uh, and that is Modern Times. Modern Times, released in 1936, directed by Charlie Chaplin, starling, starring Charlie Chaplin, as well as Paulette Goddard. Henry Bergman, Tiny Sandford, and Chester Conklin, among many others. Um, no other extras names that I recognize offhand right now. But uh, directed by Charlie Chaplin, produced, write, written, edited, composed by Char- Charlie Chaplin. You know, he pretty much did everything. Uh, this is another movie starring Chaplin where he plays the tramp. Uh, and this is the general story is the tramp struggles to live in modern industrial society with the help of a young homeless woman yeah that's uh yeah so it is a silent film uh chaplin you know in 1936 still uh refusing to adjust and uh you know conform to societal pressure and uh really you know wasn't in a, didn't make speaking films and i think it's a true testament to just how good he was that he was able to be successful even in that situation. You know, that's it's just fantastic. Um, additionally, this film is on the top 250 of IMDb. It is currently rated number 38 and is the highest rated film on that list that I have not seen. So that will be a nice check to mark off. Charlie Chaplin, Modern Times. Number three is an actor's category watch a film starring betty davis now i've seen a handful of her films uh 13 which is actually more than like i would think of offhand and 
of those 13, let me check here, having just, well, having just recorded the episode to come out on Friday, um, oh, that's not going to get me anywhere, Betty, Betty Davis, who's currently ranked 629th with 15 film credits, not 13, letterboxed, and my spreadsheet differ. Seven of the films I've seen her in, she was nominated for an Academy Award. Two of them she won. And uh, I, the most popular film on here that she's credited in is Listen to Me, Marlon from 2015, which is a documentary. And that was not something I wanted to watch because, you know, that's not really a Betty Davis film in the same way as, uh, as, you, as you expect. Um, so I decided to go with a different film. Uh, this is not one that she was nominated for, but it is one, it is a good one. Or it's supposed to be. It's the next most popular film of hers I haven't seen. And that's Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. Charlotte. From 1964, directed by Robert Aldrich, who has also directed what Hap- Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, Kiss Me Deadly, uh, The Dirty Dozen, the Flight of the Phoenix, the longest, the original, The Longest Yard, Veracruz, uh, a lot of good films, a lot of good films. Uh, starring Betty Davis, Olivia de Havilland, Agnes Moorhead, Joseph Cotton, Victor Buono, Bruce Dern, George, George Kennedy. Um, a lot of man, a lot more names than I expected to see. Has an average film rating of three point six on Letterboxd. And the brief summary is an aging, reclusive southern belle plagued by a horrifying family secret descends into madness after the arrival of a lost relative. And, yeah, nominated for six Academy Awards. Not Betty Davis, uh, unfortunately. But it was nominated for uh, an acting award, and that's Agnes Moorhead in Best Supporting Actress. Also nominated for cinematography, production design, costume design, film editing, original song, and score. So, big boost to the spreadsheet in that respect as well. So that is the Betty Davis movie, number three. Number four is a movements category, watch an African-American musical film. This is one of the ones where the first film I picked was way later than 1970, and there aren't a lot of choices to pick uh, pre-1970 as far as African-American musicals are concerned. But uh, the one I did pick, and uh, it's the same one as the uh, as, as Christian Alex, who is the creator of this challenge, and that's Carmen Jones from 1954, directed by Otto Preminger, starring Dorothy Dandridge, Harry Belafonte, Olga James, Pearl Bailey, and Brock Peters, among others. Otto Preminger, director of Anatomy of a Murder and Laura, that I have seen. This is far from his most popular film. It's number eight, actually. Uh, some of the other ones, The Man with the Golden Arm, Bunny Lake is Missing, Angel Face, Where the Sidewalk Ends, and Bonjour Tristesse. Uh, it is... I don't know. It's got a 3.3 on Letterboxd, so, you know, that's uh, drifting into the sort of, um, I don't know, kind of iffy range for a Letterboxd average rating. 
It was nominated for Best Actress for Dorothy Dandridge and Best Score. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, Dorothy Dandridge is actually the first African-American to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actress in a Leading Role ever. Uh, so that's actually uh, pretty, pretty important. So this will be a good one. You know, it's a version of the Bizet opera set in World War II with new lyrics and an African-American cast. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. I love musicals, and hopefully that's a good one. Next up, number five, is a behind-the-scenes watch a film from a female director. And the female director I decided to go with is Agnes Varda. Uh, she, having just seen Faces Places not too long ago, uh, that is the only film of hers I'd seen at this point. And, you know, she has report, uh, supposedly has an incredible legacy and, you know, is very well-respected uh, in the film community and I've heard of her name. I've never seen. I'd never seen any of her movies, so I wanted to see a bit of a. I don't know. I wanted to see. Wanted to further explore. And Cleo from Five to Seven is the film I picked. It is her most popular film on Letterboxd. It has an average rating of four point one, incredibly high. It manages to check off a couple of top two fifty and three hundred lists from other people that I know. And. Uh, Varda both directs and writes the film herself. It is takes place in Paris in the 60s uh, with and is a real-time portrait of a singer set adrift in the city as she waits test results of a biopsy. And I'm very excited. I don't know a lot about it. Uh, it it's stars Corinne Marchand, Antoine Borselli, uh, Bersayer, ah, these are probably all French names that I'm butchering, Dominique de Vray, Dorothy Blanc, Michel Legrand, Yossé Louis de Villayonga, Loya Payen, and others. Reportedly, you know, the, the, the brief summary says that it features a score by Michel Legrand and cameos by Jean-Luc Godard and Anna Karna, both of whom I, I enjoy in their own rights. So this one's a long time coming, actually. This one, long time coming. Cleo from five to seven. So those are the five categories. And so the next one is another short. Number six is a short, uh, a Looney Tunes or Merry Melodies animated short. Again, I've seen a lot of these and I just picked to not have to kind of like sort through so many. I went with the same one that uh, Christian Alec went with. And this is from 1941, directed by Tex Avery, called The Heckling Hare, starring the voice talents of Mel Blanc and Tex Avery. Bugs is being chased by hunting dog Willoughby and outsmarts him at every turn until the end, where they outsmart the audience together. That sounds brilliant and amazing. Uh, I don't know if it will be quite as good as some of the best Looney Tunes and Merry Melody shorts, but it sounds very exciting. Has an average rating on here of 3.4 which is pretty solid for a short film, I I believe. And uh, yeah, Mel Blanc, one of the most, one of the highest uh, film counts on my spreadsheet. He has 668 film credits on uh, Letterboxd. I have seen 49 of them as an actor, as a voice actor. Number six, number seven 
is another director category, and this is a film directed by Frank Capra. I've seen a few Capra films, uh, including It Happened One Night, It's a Wonderful Life, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, You Can't Take It With You. I uh, really enjoy a lot of Frank Capra's movies. Um, actually, I don't think there's a bad one in the bunch. And uh, be hard-pressed to really pick my favorite, although I think It's a Wonderful Life is the highest rated on my spreadsheet. And this one is the most popular that I hadn't seen. It's from 1944, starring Cary Grant, Priscilla Lane, Josephine Hull, Jean Adair, and Raymond Massey, and Peter Lorre, among others. And that's Arsenic and Old Lace. Uh, I'm a self-professed... not fan of Cary Grant, as it were, and so on that level, I'm not super excited to to watch this, but it is Capra, and I love Capra, and so, you know, benefit of the doubt, I, I think, not that Cary Grant's like a bad actor, I don't think he's bad, I'm just not a fan of his, and I think he's fine, I think he generally plays the same character in most of his, all of his movies, and it's kind of the more interesting thing is to see how a director responds to like using the character he plays in their movies. I think that's an interesting element to watch for. So I'm interested in that side of things. And uh, that's about it. It's not nominated for any Oscars, It's but it does have a 3.8 average rating on Letterboxd, which is fairly high, and it's Cary Grant. So, you know, he's a big name, whether or not I enjoy his performances. So there's always that aspect of things. Number eight is another actor category, and this one is for Clark Gable. Clark Gable, who I've seen in only a few films. Uh, I mentioned It Happened One Night, but also Gone with the Wind, uh, just recently Mutiny on the Bounty, Run Silent, Run Deep, and uh, A Free Soul, which I've also seen quite recently. And the most popular film on Letterboxd of his that I haven't seen is from 1961, directed by John Huston, and that's The Misfits. Starring Clark Gable, Marilyn Monroe, Montgomery Clift, and Thelma Ritter, among others. Uh, It is probably, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not really a film I'd ever heard of, uh, You know, it's something, you know, I I know Clark Gable, Monroe, Clift, Ritter, um, other people, like Kevin McCarthy is in this, uh, Eli Eli Wallach is in this, um, I know John Huston, but honestly, I'd never heard of this film until I looked it up and and added it to this list, and uh, I like Clark Gable, I don't think I've seen enough of him quite yet to really have a solid opinion And I think the same would go for Marilyn Monroe. I think I kind of approach Marilyn Monroe with this mindset that she's not really a good actress, good actor, uh, just kind of more, she was just pretty. And I don't think that's fair, necessarily. Um, So I'm going to be interested in checking that out. Uh, There's another, at least one other film of hers on this list for uh, for this challenge. So I'm hoping to kind of step back and kind of give myself, give her, allow myself to really appreciate her as, uh, an actor more so than just something to look at. And I think I wasn't being very fair in that respect. So, yeah, The Misfits, 1961. No Oscar nominations here either, but a 3.6 average rating on Letterboxd. So that's pretty good, Misfits. 
Number nine is a movement category, which is watch a film starring or made by a blacklisted actor, director, or screenwriter. I don't know. The only one I really knew offhand um, was Trumbo, thanks to the movie Trumbo. And so I went to Trumbo's page uh, for writing, and I was going to do... I was going to do Papillon, but then I decided to pick one that he was Oscar nominated for and also, I believe, won. Yeah, he won an Oscar for this movie. And uh, and that is from 1956, The Brave One, directed by Irving Rapper, who the only movie I've seen of his is Now Voyager, which I thought was good. Uh, starring Michelle Ray, Rodolfo Hoyos Jr., Elsa Cardenas, and Carlos Navarro, among others. A young Mexican boy tire tirelessly tries to save his pet bull from death at the hands of a celebrated matador. Uh, sounds kind of like White Fang to a certain degree, but we'll see. Like I've just recently watched White Fang. I thought it was quite melodramatic, and I thought that was pretty problematic. So that'll kind of give me a basis to judge this movie once I get around to it but if this is a film that won best writing at the Oscars uh, I don't know I mean it's got to have some I don't know it's got to have some level of craft behind it I, I assume so only a 3.2 average rating on Letterboxd which is kind of low so we'll see we'll see how that works out the brave one number 10 is a behind-the-scenes film that's watch a film written by a female writer. Not wanting to uh, go down a different alley, I chose Agnes Varda again. So this is a film written by and directed by Agnes Varda, and that is Le Bon Hur. Le Bon Hur, I think, B-O-N-H-E-U-R, Le Bon Hur, uh, from 1965, uh, with the tagline, Only a woman could dare to make this film. Francois, a young carpenter, lives a happy, uncomplicated life with his wife, Therese, and their two small children. One day he meets Emily, a clerk in the local post office. Drama ensues. Uh, starring Jean-Claude Drouot, uh, Drouot, 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 Claire Drouot, Olivier Drouot, Sandrine Drouot, I'm, I'm sure that's all pronounced wrong. Um... But it is very short. It's only 79 minutes. And it has an average rating of 3.9 on Letterboxd, which is very high. Um, one of the reviews, five-star review, is, Oh, great, another movie about a straight guy without problems. Which is funny, because they gave a five-star review. That is why it's funny. Uh, yeah, I'm diving headfirst into this Agnes Varda thing to really see what it's all about. And uh, to get a better sense of her as a director, you know, watching Faces Places, I liked where she was coming from, but, like, that's a documentary. It doesn't really show me her narrative skills and that kind of stuff. So very interested to see, giving myself two opportunities to really look at her um, narrative elements and, and narrative skills. Number 11, back to the start of the order, a short film. This one is uh, an MGM short film. And, I mean, there's a lot of different MGM films. Um, I went with 
uh, a film from 1942 directed by Tex Avery that was nominated for an Oscar, and that is Blitzwolf, uh, another a variation on the Three Little Pigs theme, this time told as a World War II anti-German propaganda shortly after the U.S. had entered the war, with the wolf as a thinly disguised Hitler, starring the voice talents of Pinto Kolvig and Frank Graham, and uh, written by Rich Hogan. It has an average film rating of 3.4, which is pretty solid. And, uh, you know, a lot of the short films back from the early, late 30s, early 40s were propaganda in some, on some level, particularly the documentaries that were nominated back then. So this isn't too, super surprising as far as the subject matter goes. Uh, I've seen many variations of the Three Little Pigs theme, uh, not just in short films and longer features, but in just commercials and all that kind of stuff. So we'll see if this is interesting enough or, or, or new enough to really bring something to the table in that respect. Number 11, Blitzwolf. Number 12, director, watch a film directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Now, I've seen how many? 19 films directed by Hitchcock um, and 15, his 15 most popular ones I've already seen. So I went with the next one down the list. And that is his 1945 film starring Ingrid Bergman, Gregory Peck, Michael Chekhov, Rhonda Fleming, among others. The film was, or won the Oscar for Best Score, was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Chekhov, Best Director, Best Cinematography, and Best Special Effects. And that is Spellbound. Tagline, the maddest love that ever possessed a woman. Uh, the poster, I believe that's Gregory Peck's hand holding a razor blade. And uh, it shows fear on Ingrid Bergman's face with a presumed quote from her saying, will he kiss me or kill me? Sounds exactly like what I want from my Hitchcock. And uh, he is currently, as of this second, ranked seventh on my director's spreadsheet. Uh, so there's a big chance uh, that he could move up. Uh, he is definitely within striking distance of Linklater and Scorsese just above him. And... Uh, outside chance of surpassing the Coen brothers a little further away. That will be something to keep track of. And uh, it's Hitchcock. I love Bergman. I haven't really seen a lot of Gregory Peck movies. You know, it's really To Kill a Mockingbird and Roman Holiday. And uh, the rest of them, I've either been so long I don't really remember them, or he's not really a big character in them, like How the West Was Won. So this will be, I'm interested to see just how, I don't know, see if he kind of holds up to me as an actor. I'm interested. That'll be, that'll be cool. Next up, number 13, actors. Watch a film starring Katherine Hepburn. I've seen all of the films she's been nominated for, an act, for Best Actor in except for one. And that is 1956's The Rainmaker. Starring Burt Lancaster, Catherine Hepburn, Wendell Corey, Lloyd, Lloyd Bridges, among others. <clears throat> directed by Joseph Anthony, who directed six films. And I've never seen any of them. Uh, so, it's kind of uncharted territory. Has an average film rating of, or average rating of 3.2. Uh, 
And the tagline is, it's about the magic that makes a woman beautiful when she was wanted by a man, which sounds awful. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. It's, uh, it's later on in Hepburn's career, sort of in the, like, 40s, 50s range. How old was she? This time, I can look really quickly. She was born in 07, so she would have been almost, yeah, late 40s when this came out. Uh, not quite on Golden Pond, but definitely into those kind of spinster roles that she played a lot of, like uh, Summer Madness and, and, and such. I don't know. I, I love Hepburn. I think she's one of the greatest actors to have ever lived, and I am not upset to watch more films starring her. So that is number 13. Number 14, a movement. Watch B science fiction, watch a B science fiction feature from the 1950s. And uh, this one, there was another list on Letterboxd that I found that had basically just did 1950s science sci-fi movies on it. I went with a 1956 film directed by Fred M. Wilcox, uh, who's actually on this list twice now that I re look at it. Wow, interesting. The other film he directed uh, will come up later. I wasn't even, would not have guessed, would not have guessed. Uh, this film was nominated for Best Special Effects at the Oscars that year, and that is Forbidden Planet, starring Walter Pidgeon, Anne Francis, Leslie Nielsen, and Warren Stevens, among others, including uh, Robbie the Robot as the robot. The tagline is, Earthman on a fabulous peril journey into outer space. With an average rating on Letterboxd of 3.6. This is a film I've heard the title bandied about quite a bit. You know, def generally referred to as kind of pivotal and, and very important sci-fi film, particularly for the time it came out. But it's not one I've ever really sought out or, or been super excited to see. You know, having seen a lot of a couple of various sci-fi films from this era. I wasn't particularly thrilled by any any of them offhand that I can think of. So that kind of left a bitter taste in my mouth as far as others. So I was kind of, I don't know, I was going to get around to this, obviously. But at the moment, or before this, I wasn't really that excited. But, you know, Walter Pigeon, Leslie Nielsen, big fans of theirs. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, Forbidden Planet, it has a certain amount of pedigree to it, and I think there'll be something to see, you know, there had to be a reason it was nominated for Best Special Effects, we'll see just how well they hold up, although my guess is probably not very well. So that's number 14, number 15 is Behind the Scenes, Watch a Film from a Female Editor. This one is edited by Madeleine Gug, um, and also Etiennette Muse, who I believe is a woman, uh, and Henri Rust, who's a man, but is edited by at least one woman, from 1953, directed by Henri Georges Clouseau, who also direct, who, besides this film, directed Diabolique, um, he directed... Le Corbeau, Quai des Fouves, 
French. He's French. It's a French film. 1953, and that's The Wages of Fear, starring Yves Montand, Charles Venel, Peter Van Eck, and Folko Lully, uh, among others. I'm sure I pronounced a lot of those wrong. It is rated 4.3 uh, on average at Letterboxd, which is incredibly high, and uh, yeah, it's it's really, really highly rated. I think the highest rated film that I have on this list, looking at it, most likely. And it is a film that is on one of the versus lists, one of the top 300 lists that I have from fans of the podcast. And so that is notable in and of itself. It is a French film, it's a foreign language film, something I definitely need to expand myself, expand to, to watch more of. And on top of that, it is ranked number 190 on the IMDb Top 250. So another check mark off there as well. Definitely something I'm looking forward to. You don't get that high of a rating for just not doing nothing. And uh, the tagline is dynamic, tremendous, shattering. That could mean literally anything. So The Wages of Fear, number 15, halfway. Number 16, another short film. Watch a how-to short with Robert Benchley. How to. Uh, so I never even heard of this guy. And I mean, apparently he's kind of a thing. He made a series of short films called How to This, How to That, How to Whatever. Um, some, of the li- some of the possibilities you could have gone with How to Eat, uh, How to Train a Dog, How to Vote, How to Raise a Baby, How to Start the Day, uh, How to Take a Vacation how to sublet, etc. The one I went with is, I think, the most popular of all of them, uh, which is How to Be a Detective. One of the comedian's how-to comedies, this one attempts to teach us how to profile criminals by physical characteristics, starring Robert Benchley and Arthur Hoyt, and directed by Felix E. Feist from 1936. Does not have an average rating on Letterboxd, because there haven't been enough, but a couple of the reviews are average to bad, and uh, you know it, it doesn't. I don't. Know, it doesn't strike me as going to be as good as the how-to short series uh, accompanied to Goofy, which I love. I love Goofy's how-to series, um, which I don't know which came first. I assume. I mean, I could look it up, I guess, but the two feel like they're kind of in the same. Uh, playing in the same league, and I think the goofy ones are very good, generally, so I don't see eventually really being able to contend with them all that well. So that's number 16, How to Be a Detective. Number 17, another director. Watch a film directed by Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder, as it turns out, uh, and I guess Frank Capra, who I mentioned before, just for reference, is ranked 29th overall. Billy Wilder is ranked 10th, uh, so this is another another top 10 director for me, and we will see just how high he can move with this film, from 1951, starring Kirk Douglas, Jan Sterling, Robert Arthur, and Porter Hall, among others, and that's Ace in the Hole, rough, tough Chuck Tatum who battered his way to the top, trampling everything in his path, men, women, 
and Morals. Ace in the Hole, nominated for one Oscar, the year it came out, and that's Best Writing, Story, and Screenplay, is not just a very well-reviewed film. It is a 4.2 on Letterboxd, very, very high. Not just an Oscar-nominated film, not just a Billy Wilder film. It also features on a top 300 of, of uh, somebody I know. So again, trying to knock off some of those lists uh, as best as I can, honestly. And uh, Kirk Douglas, you know, uh, he is he is a talent, I think. He is... I haven't seen as many films of his films as I wish I had. You know, like Spartacus is the big one, Paths of Glory. But outside of that, you know, it's been a lot of... You know, The Bad and the Beautiful I thought was fine. Um, Detective Story I thought was fine. The Vikings I thought was okay. So Ace in the Hole is supposed to be really good. I'm excited to kind of explore that and, and really get in more in-depth into it. So Ace in the Hole, Billy Wilder. This will be my 10th Billy, Billy Wilder film as well. Number 18, actor. Watch a film starring Henry Fonda. And this one is a 1941 film. So having recently seen uh, The Grapes of Wrath, uh, definitely I'm pro-Henry Fonda. This will be my 10th film of his that I've seen, and it's the most popular of his that I haven't seen yet. From 1941, directed by Preston Sturges, uh, who has also directed Sullivan's Travels that I've seen, which I liked, I actually I really enjoyed. And that's The Lady Eve, starring Henry Fonda, Charles Coburn, Barbara Stanwyck, Eugene Pallett, and William Demarest, among others. It is a well-rated film, 3.9 on Letterboxd, quite high. The tagline, when you deal a fast shuffle, love is in the cards. Nominated for one Oscar the year it came out, which is Best Writing Original Story. Uh, yeah, it's uh, that's it. I don't know. <laughs> it's this is clever. So the poster, just realizing this, uh, the poster you know has Barbara Stanwyck and Henry Fonda's names at the top, big letters. In small cursive, it had. What it really says is Barbara Stanwyck on the left, and then in the middle, has, and then the big letters, Henry Fonda. So Barbara Stanwyck has Henry Fonda, and then underneath, Bewitched and Bewildered. I think that's clever. I think that's neat. That's good That's good poster design. That's, that's how you do a poster right there. So very much looking forward to this. You know, young Henry Fonda is the best Henry Fonda, in my opinion. And uh, I like Barbara Stanwyck quite a bit. She's... Uh, She's fantastic in Double Indemnity, uh, but I haven't seen her in a lot. You know, I saw her in Annie Oakley, but not a lot. I'm I'm, inter- I'm excited to see her in something else in a big big movie, big role. That's number eighteen, The Lady Eve. No, number nineteen, another movement category, uh, U- a Universal monster movie. So this is one was kind of tricky. So it's easy to find a list of them all. My problem was I've seen like two of the Universal Monster movies and it's kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They all kind of intertwine in various points with like actors playing different characters and, and all that kind of stuff. And I wanted, the problem was the couple I've seen, Dracula um, and, and Frankenstein and whatnot, I've, they're not 
in order. I didn't watch them in order. Not that they need to be necessarily. You know, you can watch Guardians of the Galaxy if you've never seen a Captain America movie, but to that degree, like, I still wanted to kind of have an idea of, like, the progression of these movies and get a better sense of their order. So I went back as far as I could to The Hunchback of Notre Dame from 1923, directed by Wallace Worsley. Um... And uh, starring Lon Chaney, Patsy Ruth Miller, Norman Carey, and Kate Lester, among others. It is a silent film, and uh, clocks in at just shy of two hours, so pretty long silent film. has an average rating of 3.5, and it stars Lon Chaney, who I know from The Phantom of the Opera. He is great in The Phantom of the Opera, and this, uh, I'm, I'm... Excited to see him kind of branch out into a different character, a different uh, persona, as it were. So, Hunchback of Notre Dame is number 19. Number 20, behind the scenes, watch a film from a female producer. This one was, you know, my obviously my first thought was Kathleen Kennedy, who who's produces like the Star Wars movies, but that 